Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. All right, so today's forgiving from the heart, and I know that we've been challenged. I've, I've heard a couple of people um, say their reflections from the last couple of weeks, um, and the topics that are still yet to come uh, are absolutely awesome. And um, we're coming to a close. This is only the last, the second last week of of this study, and I'm hoping that even if you're not in a small group. Um, that you're doing it uh, individually, that you might be doing it by yourself or you might be doing it with a friend because um, when the disciples were sent out, they weren't sent out individually. They were sent out in pairs, in groups, because we're, we're here to commune together, yeah? So I was convicted throughout the week when me and Holly were doing a small, quiet time together um, and there was one thing that uh, stood out to me during my time was that Jesus didn't just come to pardon us, he came to heal us. And the scriptures are abundant in that. But the thing is, is that we, we see the pardon, we see the forgiveness that he has given us for our sins, but we don't actually accept the healing that comes from that. And one of the things that I was convicted of is that I've sat in that, yes, I've forgiven. Yes, I've forgiven the people that have wronged me. Yes, I know that I've been forgiven. But yet I don't actually step into that next part, which is the healing. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He, wants, he doesn't want us to do it alone. He wants to actually take us through the processes of healing, stripping us down and actually building us back up stronger than what we were before. So that's one of the things that I've been convicted in this. If I can get the next slide up. This one is, is, is uh, I'm not going to read this one out, but, but it's our hearts, if we live by our hearts, then we become vulnerable. And a lot of people, when they get hurt, they tend to shut off um, things in their hearts. They tend to shut off things in their hearts so that they, they don't get hurt over and over and over again. But God invites us into a point where we, we, we can be vulnerable because we know who we are. So, me trying to figure out what forgiveness was. God has been doing a work in me in so many different ways, left, right and centre. And one of the, the, the big, biggest ones that he's trying to do for, for me is actually understanding where the scriptures come from, uh, understanding the culture when, when, when the authors of the books uh, were writing it and what they were actually getting to um, but actually making it relevant, which it is so much today as what it was back then. Um, but what we need to do is we actually need to understand what the author was thinking back then for us to actually understand what God is trying to tell us now. So I started going into what I've, what I've actually um, realised is that when the Bible was written in English, there's so many words out of the different translations in Aramaic, in Greek, in Hebrew, that there is not a sufficient English word to actually describe what they were actually trying to mean. So I've been trying to go into the words that, um, that, that during the original text they would have been writing and what they would have been trying to feel. So the original text for forgiveness, and if I can get the next slide up, the original te- text for forgiveness, there was, there was three different types of versions that they were going through. So you've got the, the Aramaic, the Greek, and the Hebrew. Now, I, as we've all come to the conclusion, I'm really bad at pronunciation. 
So I, I got my pronunciation app out again and I tried to pronounce it. So I'm going I'm to actually try to give this a, a go. So in the Aramaic, it means Shavak. Yep. In the Greek, it's Ephes. And in the Hebrew, it's Shafer. It's good? Oh, there we go. Awesome. But we need to understand this, and this is what ended up absolutely tearing my heart apart, is that it wasn't just forgiveness. It wasn't just the word forgiveness because it means so many different things in the word of English and and the easiest one to go to is forgiveness because that's the one we understand. But the one thing that we sit there and we go is that those words that we actually translate into forgiveness actually means pardon. And pardon is such a stronger word because when you go into the back of, into Latin, uh, into the Latin terms and you find out where pardon actually comes from, it's actually two separate words joined to one. And those two separate words are per deni or donne, per donne. So per meaning completely. Donary, I should say, donary means give. You put them both together, it means remittance. So you put it all together as they came to this word of pardon, it means completely give remittance. Now, does anybody know what the actual word of remittance is? I, this actually, this is where one of the convictions started happening for me. Remittance is that your debt is paid in full. Even before you've done it. So when God asks us to forgive our neighbour, just like he has forgiven us, this is where I started challenging, I was, I was getting challenged myself. He's asking us to forgive people before they even sin against us just like he has forgiven us for sinning before we even sin. I don't know what that means to you, but that was a massive, well, when I say forgive, I'm actually clearing somebody's debt. I'm not just going, I forgive you, and it's just not just words. It actually means that that person has no debt to me that has hurt me, or in the sense, I have no debt to myself because a lot of the times, being human, the first thing that we do is we struggle to forgive ourselves for our own actions. Just a thought. So why do we need to forgive? In order to experience our freedom in Christ, we need to relate to each other. We need to relate to people the same way that God related to us on the basis of complete forgiveness and acceptance. Interestingly, when I was, um, when I was putting all this together, we can't, actually can't fully accept somebody if we don't completely forgive them. We can't actually, as humans, can't actually neurologically love somebody completely unless we forgive them. And we'll go into that later on. Why do we need to forgive? For ourselves, unforgiveness is a slow leak. It's a slow leak that if not dealt with can cause major issues in our life, can cause major issues in the way we approach things, can cause major issues in the way that we see people, in the way that we react into situations and the way we live our everyday life. Without us even knowing, unconsciously, we can approach life because we have a hesitant 
hesitation, I should say, a hesitation to something that could be or that has happened to us. Staying with me at the moment? Sweet. All right. So that's the same thing in church. Because church means people. So if we in our personal lives don't forgive people that have hurt us, that can actually happen in church as well because the church isn't the building around us, it's the people in there. And if people within church hurt us, harm us, or we we get a sense of loss in some way, shape or form, we tend to hold unforgiveness. And unfortunately, un- unintentionally, it starts ripping us apart, ripping God's people apart, left, right and centre. Even without us understanding it or actually knowing it at all. And if we don't deal with that, it becomes a slow leak, not only for ourselves, but also our relationships and the relationships of others as well. Yeah. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, and it was interesting when I was looking into this one, he writes this, he goes, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. When I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so in the authority, in Christ's authority for your benefit. Now I want to highlight your benefit. Now the backstory of this, the backstory of, of this verse is that Paul, what I was what I ended up digging into was that there was two options of what Paul was talking to in uh, to the church of Corinthia. There was two options, but the one that was actually evident that it was was that this man had wronged Paul when he was preaching last time he was at the church of Corinth. He had wronged him, he had slandered him, he had slagged him off, but then this man had come to repent for his sins and actually become a body of the church. And the church actually refused him to actually join. So Paul wrote them a letter and said, when you forgive them, I forgive them. But it's not, for, your, it's not for, for my benefit because he's wronged me, but it's for your benefit. And he goes on to say this, ready? He goes on and he goes, so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. Satan looks for every opportunity possible to drag us down. And one of the biggest ones is unforgiveness. He knows how to twist. He knows how to turn it. He knows how to warp it into something that doesn't even mean. And you might be having an innocent conversation with somebody, but it may trigger something that actually brings something up in yourself that may have nothing to do with the person that you're having a conversation with. And you may start feeling shame. You may start feeling guilt. You may start feeling that tightness in your chest like you, you can't breathe anymore because there's that slow leak. And the devil knows exactly where to push, when to push, how to push. But if we are familiar with his schemes, then we know to actually forgive for our benefit. Yeah? Nothing gives Satan a greater opportunity to stop a church growing than bitterness and division. Nothing gives Satan greater opportunity to stop a church growing than bitterness and division because we are created to be in relationship with others in some way, shape or form. And in our relationship with 
and our sorry, and our relationship with God is tied to relationships with others. The reason why I say this is because we all know our um, the prayer that Jesus actually says in Matthew. Yeah, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And I'm going to stop us. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Do you notice something in that? Do you notice something in the words that has been put up there? Do you see that it's not past tense? Do you see that it's present and future tense? The word sin is not past tense. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. Not sinned, sin against us. There it is again. We're stepping into this this freedom to be able to forgive somebody even before they forgive. Even before they sin, sorry. Even before they hurt us. Even before they take us through that loss, that hurt. A little bit challenging. God wants us to learn to relate to one another on the same basis that he relates to us. As John writes in 1 John... And I took this out of the message because for for me, I like to compare different uh, translations. Main reason why, and as I said it before, is because a lot of the times when it was translated into English, we actually can't, um, we don't have the words in English to to express what the words in Aramaic and and Greek were actually trying to say, that the author was trying to say in that. So... The reason for the different translations is so that we can actually sit there and maybe try to get our heads around what, is, what the author is actually trying to say. So in the message, in the message, John writes in 1 John 4, 20 21, if anyone boasts, I love God and goes right on hating his brother and sister, but thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he cannot see? Hard words, aren't they? So if we say we love God, but yet we hold resentment to somebody else, doesn't matter who it is, he is or she is made in the image of God. Another conviction for me. So if we hold resentment to them, if we won't love the person we can see, how can we love the God that we cannot see? It goes on and says in 21, it says, the command we have from Christ is blunt. Now the word blunt means that it's, it's practically in our face and there's no movement left, right and centre. It's blunt. It's, this is what we need to do. It is loving God, loving people. Loving God includes loving people. And here's the convicting part as I started digging deeper into this, is that people include yourself. It even says it in some translations. It says, love God, love people as yourself. So I'm going to apologise because it's going to get a little bit deeper again tonight, uh, this morning. So I'm going to apologise, but I'm not going to apologise because I believe that God wants us to hear this message this morning. Yeah? 
So as we continue on, we cannot truly love God while neglecting to love those who are created in his image. You can't completely love someone if you haven't completely forgiven them. Now again, as I said in the beginning, a lot of us don't understand what the forgiveness is. Yeah, That pardoning. In Peter, Peter asks Jesus in Matthew 18, he asks, Lord, how often should I forgive somebody that sinned against me? Up to seven times? It's a random number, but up to seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now I looked into this again. This is one of the things that God's taken me down, little rabbit holes, left, right and centre. And as I said last time I preached, if I go off on a little bit of a tangent, just put your hand up and go, Adam, go back on track because there's more important things to talk about here. But what I do want to go on a tangent here is that I want to find out why 70 times 7, why the number 7, yeah? Back in the days when Jesus walked the earth, the rabbis taught people to forgive people who offend them. Now, I don't know whether you guys know all this, but they taught them to forgive people who offend them or wrong them, but only three times. Only three times. Peter trying to be especially generous when he's, when he's talking to, to Jesus. He, goes, he asks if seven, the perfect number, a lot of people say that seven is enough, is enough. Do I forgive somebody seven times because that's the perfect number? Was it enough to forgive somebody seven times? But Jesus answered 70 times seven, meaning that we should not keep a track of how many times we forgive somebody. God doesn't want his children to languish in bitterness and he's the interesting one and be bound to the past. Be restrained to the past. Not being able to move past, not being able to move forward, not being able to step into what God has created for you tomorrow, today, in the future. But being being bound to what has happened and what you've been through. In order to forgive this freely, so it's, a free, it's, a, it's actually a freeing sense that we do, but in order to forgive this freely, we need to understand the extent of our own debt to God. In the book of Luke, there was a story of an uninvited sinful woman that slipped into a dinner unnoticed. She sat behind Jesus weeping, her tears falling on Jesus' feet. She began wiping his feet with her hair, feeling completely unworthy, not invited into the room, not invited to the dinner that the Pharisee, Simon, invited Jesus to. But not only wiping her tears away from his feet, anointing his feet with perfume, that perfume back in those days was really, really, really expensive. And as he anointed Jesus' feet with the oil, that was as she anointed Jesus' feet with the oil, Simon started becoming really, really agitated and irritated because one, she wasn't invited to the party, but two, how was Jesus allowing this sinful woman to even touch him but be next to him on her knees (sighs) 
Jesus says to Simon after Simon was irritated, Jesus turns around and says, those who have been forgiven much, love much. Those who have been forgiven little, love little. How can we actually know the extent of our forgiveness if we actually don't understand what forgiveness is? How can we love much if we only feel like we've only been forgiven little? If the scriptures are right, which they are, we have been forgiven abundantly. So we should love abundantly. So how much have you been forgiven? That's the question. We find the truth in Isaiah. And it is our best, and sorry, we find the truth in Isaiah and that is our best is like a filthy rag before God. Without Christ, we all stand condemned. We've all been forgiven much, though we may not even realise it. But when we do realise that our capacity for loving others, no matter the circumstances, will increase. So we accept the forgiveness, we actually understand the forgiveness and we are able to love more. When it comes to forgiving, the process is a process of mercy is required. Now, this is where I started getting convicted from my background and, and kind of going into the legal system and everything like that. So this is what I was a little bit, okay, this is awesome. Justice is giving people what they deserve. So mercy is required, but justice is giving what people, people what they deserve. The wager for sin is death. Now, God is just, and in his character, it is in his character, but he loves that he loves us that much that he created a way for us to be free. The punishment we deserve fell onto Christ in an unimaginable way on the cross. God had mercy on us. Mercy is not giving people what they deserve. I'll repeat that again. Mercy is not giving people what they deserve. So God had mercy on us. So remember that bit. We are told to be merciful to others as God has been merciful to us. But God goes even further. Instead of just giving, taking our punishment away and being mercy to us so that we could be free, he showers us with gifts that we don't even deserve. So God is graceful. Grace. Next slide up. Grace is giving people what they don't deserve. God has set the standard for forgiveness. And in his own example, instead of showing the people that they have wronged, instead of showing people that they have wronged us retribution like they deserve, we need to be showing them forgiveness and love. Just like Jesus did for us. It all begins with a relationship of God established with us. Freely you have, freely give. Freely you have received, freely you give in Matthew 10, 8. To forgive somebody from the heart means we have to be emotionally honest with God and ourselves, and face the hurt that may be attached. We may feel pain. 
we may feel like we're out of our depth, depending on what has actually happened. I'm going to go off just a little bit. I had a conversation with one of the youth on Friday night and she expressed to me that um, she used to have a relationship with God. And a couple of years ago, uh, her 11-year-old brother died. So she blamed God for taking her 11-year-old God away, uh, her 11-year-old son, a brother away, because she had this relationship, and their whole family had this relationship. Now their whole family has just been distraught because they blame God for taking their son, their brother away, and that unforgiveness is completely tearing them apart. I had the opportunity to be able to pray with her, I had the opportunity to be able to, to sit with her, I had the opportunity to be able to talk with her and um, and it's a process, it's an invitation. But it's, it's that hurt, that pain, that loss, it's still there. But you need to step into that process of, of, of that healing, of that forgiveness, yeah? We don't even have to go up to the other person if that person has wronged us um, to forgive them. We actually don't even have the power or the authority to forgive. We actually need to hand that over to God, the only person with the ability to be able to forgive, the authority to be able to give. I'm going to ask, can you bring that up for me? You're giving the debt. I'm, gonna, I'm getting, uh, there was no other way that I could do this. So I apologise for those that don't see me and I'll get the, the lights up uh, when I do uh, get the whiteboard up. There's something that I just need to take you guys through uh, very, very soon. It was something that completely highlighted massively to me uh, very, very recently. Yeah. So when you forgive, it's for your sake. By choosing not to forgive somebody for what they did, we stay hooked to the pain. Thank you guys. Give them a hand. That was awesome, guys. I'm pretty sure. Here we go. Beautiful. All right. So, so when, when you forgive, it's for your sake. By choosing not to forgive somebody for what they did, we stay hooked in the pain of what they did. We stay hooked in the pain of what they did. We think that by forgiving somebody, we let that hook, we let them off the hook. We let them get away with it. Yeah? But if we don't forgive, we're the ones that the hooks are in. If we don't forgive, we're the ones with the hooks that are in. Holding us to bitterness and unforgiveness is like swallowing poison and hoping for the other person to die. Now, I don't know whether you guys are around this, but um, do you guys remember, it was a fair few years back when uh, South Africa went through their apartheid and they had to actually step into a place of forgiveness or, or, of repentance um, and and actually go through a process that was actually able for them to, whether it was for them to be able to step into a different life um, or whether it was for them to be able to hand it over to the authorities to be able to give. So I was privy to uh, somebody being being able to take me through this forgiveness progress, uh, process and it became evident to me that it is an invitation that God takes us through. It is an invitation that God asks us to come on. So... I'm going to try to write big, but I've also got um, big words for us to actually hear, and I'm going to get the lights turned on for me just so that we can actually see this. So, and I've picked up the only pen. 
that doesn't have ink. That's awesome. Oh, no. All right. All right. Let's think in here. We're going to improvise now. Ready? We're going to improvise. So that, that, that square that I was about to put up, it actually has hurt, harm, and loss. That's all right. It's all good, Judy. Thank you very much for jumping in. Anyway. So that, 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 uh, that square that was supposed to be in the middle has hurt, harm, and loss. That's our unforgiveness, yeah? We have two choices from that. We're going to go through the first choice. The first choice is... There's my sticky tape. Beautiful. I knew I'd come prepared, but it's prepared to the point of... For those that can't see that, it says, a choice you choose to harm. So you, you have a choice to harm in this instance. You have a choice to actually hold on to it, and you have a choice you, you can choose to harm in that. Yep. But the path that that leads us down, guys, the path that that re- leads us down is, and these are very, very, very harsh words, but they are very, very true words. It's not the person that we actually hold against, it's what they've actually done. So we dehumanise, we dehumanise that person and it all becomes the pain, the pain that's around what has actually happened, yeah? We dehumanise. From that, because we are so hurt, and the pain, that, depending on what it is, it may only just be a little thing, but that, that slow leak may turn into something big or it might be something massive, like somebody murdering somebody in your family or, or things like that, something massive, somebody stolen, somebody, somebody might be repeatedly given so many chances over and over and over again and they just don't show up. So you tend to retaliate. Maybe only a little bit, but you are, you're, you're tending to react, retaliate. And when you retaliate, you seek. These are hard words, I'm just letting you guys know. Revenge. Whether you know it or not. Doesn't matter how innocent you are or not like that. It may be in a, in a different way. It may be in your own way. But when we try to deal with things ourselves, we end up going in a big loop. And what we don't realise is if we choose to harm, we dehumanise, we retaliate, we seek revenge, then we've hurt them. They choose to harm, they choose to dehumanise us, they choose to retaliate to us, they choose revenge. They hurt us again. It just goes around in a circle over and over and over again. And during the apartheid, what ended up happening is that those people that couldn't come to this next bet that I'm about to share with you, what they, what they did is they were handed over to the authorities. And the injustice actually ended up going through the, the, the legal system. They gave them this opportunity to be able to step forward because there was so much hurt, harm and real dreadful things that were happening over there. Yep. So this next bit. So we have the choice to harm, <clears throat> or we have the choice we can choose to heal. Yeah. Massive choice. Massive, massive opportunity for us to go on. But the way we actually do that, people just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgive them. I forgive them. But there's a process in it, and this is the process that God's actually asking us to go on. 
whether you actually do this in a group, whether you actually do this um, as a pro, like uh, as a program or something like that. People tend to do this as programs and things like that, or whether you do this with God Himself. You tell your story. There is so much power in your story. There is so much power that can actually help others. And that's uh, like our, our, our experiences of God showing up in different ways or even when our, in our pain and our hurt. God can use that. The next part, when we tell our story, during that process, we're actually naming the hurt. Again, it's not about the person. It's about what they've actually done to us. Maybe even what we've actually done to us, done to ourselves. We're naming that hurt. What Satan absolutely loves is for us to live in secret. And when we live in secret, it becomes that dirty little secret that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it suffocates us. That slow leaks come back again. Yeah? Then we come to what we all thought was going to be the first one, but it's actually the third one, is forgive. Now, forgiving isn't just going up to somebody and, Jimmy, I forgive you for doing that. Yeah? You don't actually go up to them and go, go forgive because that doesn't deal with the situation. It's a process. And when I say forgive, what that is is handing the debt that they owe me over to God. The debt of their sin that they've, they've caused to me, over to God. And what God does with that is completely up to him. He is the only judge. What he does with that, if he chases that and becomes the debt collector, what we are is we are free of what has actually happened to us and we are free to actually allow God to move through us. I'm going to start wrapping up in a second, so in, I'll get you guys to jump up in a second. Um, so the next bit, after we forgive. Now, this is where a lot of people don't. One, they don't understand, but two, they struggle to actually step into. And this is where a lot of people during the apartheid struggled to step into. I know myself, I've struggled to step into this several times with several people. Out of this, you have two options. Once you've forgiven, once you've handed it over to God, you can either reconcile that relationship only if it's safe. Only if it's safe. And the reason why I say only is it safe is that are you actually safe to reconcile and step into that relationship again? Well, the other one is release. Other way, sorry. Beginning of the year, I had somebody come alongside me out of the blue. And this is why I know that God is showing up in my life, left, left right and centre. Beginning of the year, I had somebody come up to me and, and turns around and goes, um, what does it say in the Bible about forgiveness? I went through so many things and, and, and this person, she was actually female, she, she turned around to me and she goes, it says you need to go to the person to name the wrong. If they don't listen to you, then you, what do you do? You take the elders of the church or you take the church. 
yeah, or you take a friend with you, and then you then you take the church with you. If they still don't listen to you, you wipe the feet, you wipe your, the dust off your feet as you leave the house. Very very harsh words, and you treat them as the heathen, as a heathen. This is one of the things that I didn't understand, and that was absolutely thrown smack bang in my face. According to the Bible, how do we treat heathens? We love them into the kingdom. So if we are to release somebody from the debt that they owe, release somebody from the relationship that we have uh, with them because it's unsafe, then we are loving them into the kingdom no matter what. And the only way we can love somebody that has hurt us is if we have forgiven them. The only way that we can truly love somebody the way God loves us is to completely forgive completely pardon, to hand their debt over to God and say, God, I don't know how to forgive. In a moment, I want to ask you guys into something. I'm going to... Not this over this way. Sorry, the pen didn't work, guys. Forgiveness is freeing, but we need to be sure we completely understand what it is and what it's not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Very, very hard to forget something that's happened to us. But just because we have the memories of it doesn't mean that it has to actually bound us up. Forgiveness is not tolerating sin. God doesn't tolerate sin. He does not tolerate sin, but He still loves the person who sins. He still loves us. Forgiveness is not seeking revenge. Just because we have been freed from that sin doesn't mean that we need to retaliate or revenge. That's not true forgiveness. But forgiveness is Resolving to live with the consequences of another sin. Another's sin. As I said before, we can't we can't forget what's happened to us. But we can forgive the sin. We can hand the sin over to, to God so that we don't are not bound by it. And the last one is that if we believe this and we believe the scriptures are true, forgiveness is actually the conclusion of that. God will work through it. And yes, you will be triggered left, right and centre of things that may have happened to you. It might well up inside you, but you actually need to be attentive to that. If things do get triggered, once you have handed the issue, the pain, the hurt, the loss over to God, if there is a trigger in you, you need to be able to go, God, it's, it's coming. And I don't want to live in this anymore. I don't want to step into this anymore. I've said this several times since I've been speaking, is we need to daily surrender ourselves, surrender our selfish ambitions and rise to what God has got us for a daily choice. So I'm going to invite you into into a position right now. I'm going to ask the elders and the prayer team, and I've had had a couple of people up as well, but uh, I'm going to place them in parts of the, the church. I'm going to put them up the back. I'm going to put them up the front. And in this book, there are steps to forgiveness. 
And I'm going to invite you this morning because sometimes when we don't go into the small groups, this is the reason why it's good to, to jump into a small group for this, is because these things are, are to actually be done together in communion in, with brothers and sisters so that not only are we actually not journeying alone, that we can actually step into a sense that we're, we're, we aren't alone, that, that, that we don't have to battle this alone, that God has provided people in our life that love us, that see us without judgment. So I want to ask the elders to jump up and the prayer team to jump up and just position yourself within the... Uh, can I ask that for, for that to happen now for us as we go through this? And I'm going to ask as this happens is for you to close your eyes. Nobody's going to touch you. Nobody's going to do anything. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. <clears throat> and in this, from the back of this as well, I'm not going to ask you to come up the front for prayer. Because I'm going to pray for you over these steps. I'm going to release these steps onto you and then I'm going to pray for you guys. But in this, what I want you to do is that if there is something that, is, that has been risen in your heart, whether it's somebody that you may feel like you've forgiven, but you're actually now hearing a different way of this forgiveness that God has actually placed on your heart, a different heart for them, and you don't understand it. I want you just to raise your hand so that the prayer team and the elders can actually see you. We would love to be able to pray for you where you are. So these are the steps of forgiveness. And I want you guys to do this because a lot of the times that i found as well, uh, as well for myself is that I, I may have forgiven somebody, I may have handed their debt over, but yet I have not forgiven myself for the actions that I've done in response to that, whether it be to harm them or whether it be to harm me. Yeah? So these are the steps of forgiveness. I would love for you guys to do this. And if God is calling you to put your hand up for a brother or sister to come alongside you, I encourage you, I urge you to do that. Keep your eyes closed as we do this. I want you to ask God to reveal in your mind the people that you need to forgive. As I said before, that could be yourself. You need to forgive yourself. It could even be for God. Next step is I want you to acknowledge the hurt and the hate that may be attached to what's going on. It might be somebody that's stolen something from you. It may be somebody that said something to you. It may be something that has deceived you. It may be some, someone that, that may have actually completely broken you. I want you to understand the significance of the cross and what Jesus did by going to Now, the next step is I want you to decide that you will bear the burden of each person's sin. Now, it's a hard one. Jesus bared the burden for our sin. So stepping into a sense of forgiveness may be completely out of your depth, but you don't need to do this alone. The next bit is I want you to decide to forgive. I'm not asking you to forgive. I'm not asking you to turn around and go, I forgive them today. But I'm asking you to, to be willing to, to step into that invitation for God to say, let me bear that. Let me take the debt. That list that you made of the hurts and the people, I want you right now to just lift them up to God. Take your list to God.
Ask him to destroy that list because no longer it is your burden. As I pray, I would love if something has been stirred in you as we went through that. I want you just to raise your hand where you're seating. And I want you to just sit and somebody will come to you as we pray. So Lord, I pray. I pray for your sons, your daughters, your brothers, my brothers, my sisters that are in this room, Lord. I pray as we're going through this hard topic of forgiveness, I pray that people have the courage to be able to stand up, put their hand up right now and, and know that they can have a brother or a sister come alongside them and pray for something that may be stirring in their hearts, that may be holding them back from that life of freedom. So I ask right now if people, if you have placed on people's hearts in this building right now that they raise their hand right now. I pray that they have the ability to recognise the power in communion, the power in community, and the power when when we prayerfully pray, pray about something, that chains will be broken, that that freedom will happen. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a really hard topic to step into. It is. And again, as I said to you guys before, I'm not going to ask you to come up the front this morning because sometimes people are afraid when when somebody speaks about a hard topic that they, uh, if they go up the front, then people may judge them. That's not going to happen. But the thing that I'm going to turn around to you is, and say now is that the elders, the prayer team and myself are going to be hanging around just for a little bit. And I would love for you to, to, even if it's in the silent, to come up to us and go, I don't know what it is, but I would love for you to pray for me. I don't know what God is stirring in my heart, but I would love for you to pray for me. I would love to be able to learn more about this process of actually either releasing or reconciling a relationship that may have been lost. As we're going to worship now and straight after, we're going to go have an opportunity for um, for morning tea to be able to gather again in communion. But I would love for you guys to, to not walk out that door and still have that burning desire of unforgiveness or, or that slow leak that may be holding you back from who God actually intends you to be. Not for the next five years or, or, or who you used to be. It doesn't matter your age. God has a purpose for you today, tomorrow, and as we step into who God has created us to be. We need to be intentionally seeking who God wants us to be through actually listening to our hearts. But it's hard to listen when we've got a slow leak that is preventing us from hearing the quiet whispers of God. I love you all. I thank you so much that we we can actually um, come here together and and for you guys for listening. I'm I'm sorry if I babbled on a little bit, but this is something that I, I strongly believe. It's for us, not only as a church, but as, as a people of God, as His image bearers, 
if we are going to step into this next part of our lives, this next season of our lives, then we need to step in free. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org www.cofcpenrith.org